Welcome back to Brailcast Extra. Coming up this time, Braille in higher education and employment. A breakout session at the Six Dots to Success World Braille Day conference held on Wednesday the 4th of January 2023. It's hosted by Stuart Lawler and Laurent Cadet de Fontenay. Welcome everybody. I'm Laurent. I'm one of the presenters along with Stuart and uh, I'm from the UK in the West Midlands. This is um, a place where we can share a bit about our journey about Braille in, in higher education um, and in, in our professional lives. Um, so what I thought we could do is um, I could maybe start by giving, you know, just, just a little bit of an overview of my journey and um, we could then continue uh, sharing a little bit with each other in terms of, of our experiences and you know we, we could exchange information you might have some questions for me we might end up having um, questions for each other let's see how the, the discussion develops so um, my name is Laurent I um, am a psychologist in private practice and I live in the West Midlands um, in a little town called Solihull, just outside of Birmingham. Um, I'm married to Nicola and I have two very young kids, um, Zoe and Anna. They're four and three. Um, so Braille plays an important part in my professional as well as my personal life. Um, we we had mentioned earlier of you know being able to have those special moments with the kids you know reading children's books um, at the moment we've got uh, Beatrice doesn't want to as as the favorite um, where you know Daddy knows the book so well by now that uh, you know we can improvise the funny voices without having to <laughs> to to be too worried about missing a few dots. Um, I was. Um, born in Mauritius, so grew up uh, French speaking, but I don't sound very French because um, I grew up in South Africa. So age three, my parents uh, moved to South Africa um, to uh, be able to uh, get me to attend a special school uh, for, for blind kids in South Africa in a little town incidentally called Worcester, where there's a striking parallel with the UK with a very well-known school for the blind in, in Worcester. Um, so I learned to read Braille um, probably at about age six. Um, in South Africa, we um, have a language called Afrikaans, which uh, was also the, the main medium of instruction at the school I attended. So I learned to read Braille um, in Afrikaans as well as English and um, also learned the the grade two or contracted braille systems for for these two languages at, at about the same time. Um, so I would consider myself to be well and truly uh, a braille native with uh, you know grade one braille as well as these uh, two, um, grade two braille system sort of hardwired into my brain um, from from a very young age. Braille also enabled me um, before the time of speech technology on computers, um, you know, becoming mature to 
explore my French roots. So um, I started reading a few French books at, at a young age. It also enabled me to learn German, pick up a smattering of modern Greek, and also do um, a bit of Spanish and Esperanto during my, my school years. Um, in terms of uh, further education um, and, and higher education, when I uh, went to university, I um, became uh, more familiar with electronic braille. So um, my, my first exposure to that was using a device, which some of you may remember, called a Braille and Speak, where you have, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a uh, rectangular box with uh, seven buttons, you know, one, one for the space bar and six representing the Braille dots, but no actual Braille output. So all you had was an electronic voice um, sounding you know, not quite as nice as the electronic voices we have nowadays um, giving you your output, but the, the input at least was in Braille, and that enabled me to attend my lectures and take notes in um, quite a discreet way. Um, apart from the soft occasional burp from the machine, if I thought that I'd exited the word processor and needed to get myself back in there. But uh, yeah, at least it was mostly quite discreet. And I found that a better solution than recording all my lectures because, you know, which student with a balanced lifestyle actually has the time to listen to a lecture twice? So there, there are much more fun things to be doing at that university. So I could take my notes and, uh, and get on with, with uh, revision, et cetera, afterwards. When I attended university in South Africa, um, again, there was a mixed medium of instruction. So, so it was both in English and Afrikaans. Um, and the provision for materials being translated into Braille or even just simply scanned electronically was um, full of good intention, but not well um, resourced in terms of good policy backing and funding from the university itself. Um, we were fortunate to have um, a charitable donation from um, quite a big uh, trust, um, which provided the salary and some some braille equipment, like like a braille embosser, um, for somebody to to scan materials and then have it printed into braille. Um, so, you know, very often uh, due to a bit of a bottleneck with uh, the transcription system, as well as uh, lecturers uh, not always being very, um, shall we say, proactive in terms of how early they uh, compiled their lecture materials. Um, my Braille materials were ready um, within an inch of the exams. So this led to me becoming very proficient at cramming um, and, you know, led to the development of a work ethic, which was a bit sort of feast and famine. Um, and, um, you know, so, so not, not that ideal. Um, and the reality of that was that 
in terms of reading Braille, um, you know, I find reading Braille to be much more engaging, but a little bit slower than using synthetic speech. Um, so, so I tended to to do quite a bit of cramming using synthetic speech, but then having Braille materials available um, more for reference um, and maybe for articles in, in Afrikaans where the synthetic speech was not very good at uh, delivering that language. Um, so in terms of... Um, you know, modern provision of, 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 of Braille, you know, my, my hope is that students will have, you know, the backing of their institutions to, to have that delivered in a much more timely way. Um, Braille was nevertheless very important when it came to STEM subjects. So in my psychology studies, I had to do statistics um, and um, having having Braille there was, was really, very important, you know, in terms of actually getting into the numbers. Um, in my professional life, I use Braille every day. So um, as a note-taking solution, um, I have uh, used various devices. My preference nowadays is for a, a device that uh, delivers Braille output as well as Braille input. Um, and if it has the ability to um, read out documents in, in, a, in a synthetic voice, that, that, that's a good bonus. Um, so um, when I'm working with a client, whether it's online or face-to-face, -face, I'll have my note taker at hand and I'll be able to take notes, I'll be able to refer back to notes from previous sessions in uh, quite a discreet way. You know, normally at, during session one, there might be a little bit of curiosity as to what this device is, but I'm always happy to, to explain. Um, these notes um, can then be uploaded to, to a computer. So my, my Braille note taker connects via USB to, to my computer and I can simply upload the notes. Um, and if I type quite carefully in grade two Braille, they translate very well into just a normal uh, text file, which, which is readable on the computer. And I can then upload those notes if needed to um, client databases on the internet used by the various agencies for whom I might do some work. Um, Braille is also very helpful when it comes to um, delivering presentations. So um, I, from time to time, conduct workshops um, and I'll then have my uh, slides um, on my Braille display and be able to read while I deliver my presentation. Um, Braille is also an important part of my day-to-day -day life when it comes to communicating with, uh, with clients. Um, so um, being a bit of a one-man band, I do my own diary bookings, etc. Text messaging sometimes needs to happen with clients and 
on my phone, I can use Braille screen input, which is probably, in my view, for, for a proficient Brailleist, the, the, the quickest and, and most accurate way of, of typing on either an Android or uh, an iPhone. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that tends to, to be a big time saver for, for me. Um, right, so that's a little bit more about my, my journey. Um, but I'd be very interested to know a little bit more about what professions are represented in this room. Um, so let me hand over. And uh, if you'd like to ask me any questions, please feel free. Or if you'd like to maybe tell us a little bit more about your journey, I would be very happy to hear. Laurent, it's Stuart here. I see a few raised hands. So if you're happy, I'll bring people in to make some comments. Perfect. And thank you for sharing your Braille learning journey with us. So we're going to start with Lena, and then we'll go to Fiona, and then we'll go to Vangelis. So um, Lena Cousy from, of course, the National Council of the Blind in Dublin. Hi, Stuart. Hi, Laurent. Thank you so much uh, for a wonderful presentation there, Laurent, on your experience um, in learning Braille. Um, I'm Lena Cousy. I head up the Library Access Service at the National Council for the Blind of Ireland, NCBI. Um, I had just one um, question uh, for you, Lauren. You, you mentioned you were talking about note-taking uh, during your course, and um, I'm just wondering what your experience of Braille-ready files for book material, um, how um, you've managed with that, or what your thoughts are on BRF files? So... Um, BRF files, I'm, I'm going to give you a bit more of a theoretical answer. Um, you know, for me, the, 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 the main advantage of a BRF file would be that um, it, it may have gone through a bit more human uh, translation into Braille. Um, so especially if we're talking about English, um, there probably wouldn't be huge amounts in terms of an advantage. Um, and I suppose you're talking about you know, having books loaded onto a note taker or, or braille reading device. Um, um, so, so if you're talking about a BRF file that, that's being generated by translation software without any human intervention, uh, uploaded onto um, a braille display, um, you know, it, it would probably be quite similar to what you'd get from a smart braille display doing the translation on board. Um, and you know potentially then you also have the line lengths etc that need to set up to be set up depending on which braille display the the person is is using um my experience and this might be you know this is a sight and sound uh, co-hosted presentation my experience is more with humanware devices um, but the humanware devices that I've used have been, you know, very good at, at just taking on a text or word file um, or or a daisy book um, and and just rendering them quite well um, on, on on the braille display. Thank you, Laura. We promote uh, Bookshare Ireland here um, in, in in Ireland, and I know the RNIB have uh, RNIB Bookshare as well. And one of the options for many of our clients in further and higher education 
um, is to have the book in, in BRF format, you can download it and then use that um, on a various on, on various braille displays. So uh, um, it, it's something quite new, it's, it's not been around for very long, but um, I, I think um, the future um, for books for further and higher education um, would be the digital route uh, because it's a quick turnaround for the production and quick production of a Braille book or a Braille document um, for a student in further and higher education. Um, would you be a fan of that? Would that be something that you would be endorsing um, down the line? Um, what, what I'm quite excited about is... Um, you know, hopefully a move towards having a BRF standard, which, like DAISY, might allow for easier navigation within within the file. At the moment, I tend to prefer DAISY books because they, they allow for easier navigation using different levels with, within the book. So especially if you've got a long reference book, um, then that's much easier to to, to manipulate. Um, otherwise, if you had a BRF file without that, then you'd need to have um, agreed um, strings of text in in the book that 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 you can know to to search for in in a consistent manner. So my understanding is that you know uh, there there are some rumors of the development of an eBRF uh, standard that that I think will make the BRF uh, files much more useful so then you'll have the advantage of potential human input um, into the translation as well as as navigation being much easier but i think we've got uh, people uh, in this room i've had a quick look through the participants uh, who might be much more on the cut cutting edge of this than i am and uh, if we could maybe have a comment i think we've got james here uh, i think dave is also here um, so if you guys have anything to add to this i'd be very Happy to hear your voices too. Um, Lena, thanks for your for your questions and comments. I'm going to go to a couple of more raised hands. Fiona Gemison. Um, so Fiona, you should be able to speak. I think we've unmuted you. I was just going to say, I have similar experience to you, Laurent, in that um, I came to England. I did my first university degrees in New Zealand, where unlike you, probably because we only had about 4 million people in the uh, country at the time. Uh, they're now 5 million. Um, uh, there was a, actually a specific Braille transcription service. And I, if I went to see my professors the year before, sort of uh, that I, the course I was doing, I actually managed to have almost all my books put into Braille for me by the beginning of my first term. And when I came to England, I won a scholarship to Oxford to do a uh, doctorate in Old English literature, I was rather shocked to discover that it wasn't the same here where I'd always been told Britain is brilliant. Um, and I had to rely entirely on um, readers. I was very lucky in that my I got married within about, about a, month, a year of coming to England to a fellow student and his parents were um, in the... Uh, in the Methodist church and they got all their members of the church to put books onto tape for me, which was fantastic. But um, I much would have preferred to have them in braille. But all I was going to say is that um, 
it's a pity that Braille is such a, well, it takes a back seat because particularly if you do languages, I, um, I did Greek and Latin at university and Old English, obviously, and I read French. Um, and, you know, getting those things. I have a very old-fashioned bit of equipment called an Opticon, which I would swear by, which, again, is tactile, but it's not Braille. Uh, and I needed that. And I similarly, um, to I, I, I'm a lecturer at, at Durham University, uh, well, a part-time lecturer at Durham University, and I've lectured at various other uni- Oxford and Kent. Uh, so I do have had to do a lot of marking. And I must admit, I swear by my, um, I've got a um, open book system, and I used to, I use that for reading student essays. And of course, now student essays are more often done as electronic format, which I can download. But still, for for languages, language reading, um, having the books in Braille, just for the sheer spelling of names, of nothing else. And also, um, as I think it was, I can't remember if it was Peter or David, one of them said that you remember things better when you actually read them under your hand and you can flick back to the bit you want rather than having to just remember it all orally. I mean, I've got a good oral memory, but it's nothing like reading something in Braille. So if more, if more, um, shall we say, if more money and the resources were put into providing books in Braille for students, I think it would be a, a great assistance. And I use electronic things. I lo- love audiobooks. I have several of the sight and sound um, bits of technology. I have a Braille sense. I have a Hable one to use with my um, or my um, iPod. But it's, it's nothing like having a Braille book. So that's that's my my comment. Thanks, Fiona. Yeah, thanks, Fiona, for for sharing that that uh, that, that that bit of your journey. And uh, for me, I I can agree that you know having become a bit of an expert in cramming at university by uh by necessity the bits that that feel like they really stuck were, were the bits that i did have the time to properly read and appreciate and you know kind of nearly find the the, the joy of learning in by actually reading it in braille um incidentally um and this is not exactly on topic for Braille, but uh, a few years ago, I was extremely curious about Opticons. I never had uh, the privilege of learning to use one because I missed that uh, that bus in terms of being a bit too young. But I bought one off eBay, uh, which was going cheap, um, secondhand, and uh, I'm still um, to face that massive learning curve uh, if and when I find the time. And it will be interesting to see uh, what what that can bring, but I think it is you know a huge learning curve. Well, if you ever if you don't want to learn and you want to sell it on, I'll buy it from you because I would whenever my Opticon goes down, it's like having my hand chopped off. I use it so much, everything from reading washing instructions on clothes, through to dictionary work, through to obviously um, mail, you know all that kind of thing. It's absolutely I just couldn't be without it. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think I think uh, you know it, it. It sounds like a separate topic, but one might need to to set up a little Opticon Foundation. <laughs> uh, I, I think you make a user group or something there. Yeah, yeah, a little Opticon Foundation to support Opticon users. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, 
Great. So, Laurent, I'm going to bring in um, a couple more raised hands. So you mentioned uh, James Bowden. He is in the room and his hand is raised. So we'd, it'd be always good to hear James's contributions in just a sec. Uh, Mairead O'Mahony, Sarah Matthews, a couple of people. But I want to go to Vangelis first because Vangelis had hand up longest. So, um, Vangelis, um, you should be able to unmute yourself, I think. Good morning. My name is Vangelis Nikias. Um First of all, uh, thank you for a wonderful event. Uh, I got out, I got up very early in Canada to, particip to participate in this, and I find it very reassuring and very empowering. Now, I don't have any questions. I have some personal reflections uh, about Braille. Um, so I don't know if you want to give people an opportunity to ask questions. Or if you want me to make to make some comments, do you want to make a few brief comments and then we and if, and we can come back to you if we've time as well at the end. Sure. So I am a public servant in Canada, uh, in Ottawa. Um, I'm a policy analyst, and I use Braille every day in uh, three languages: English, Greek, and French. And I do use um, all forms of. Uh, writing Braille, even the slate and stylus still for for some things. I also use um, refreshable Braille. My favorite one right now is Mantis. Uh, Braille has been very, very important in my life, including helping me learn English. And it's a very funny story because when I came to Canada to go to university, uh, the CNIB at the time, uh, didn't have a program for uh, helping uh, blind immigrants to learn English. But after I learned a bit of English, uh, I realized that they had um, a program to teach newly blinded people, adults, uh, Braille. So I said, if you won't teach me English, will you teach me Braille? And they said, yes, of course. And of course, in the process of studying English Braille, I learned English too. Um, a couple of quick points and then um, I'll close. Uh, I worked um, as a representative of the Canadian government in the UN Convention for the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. And there are a number of references to Braille in the convention. And I am very happy that I was one of the um, many blind people in, who participated in the elaboration of the convention who argued for Braille inclusion um, in the UN Convention. Um, the, if you have seen the Canadian, if you have touched, I, I should say, the Canadian paper money, and if you haven't, you should come here and check it out. It's a wonderful country. Um, I co-directed the project about 20 years ago, and we played on Braille, and we have included um, a feature on Canadian paper money, which, uh, if you allow me, I will say makes the Canadian paper money the most accessible and most usable in the world. And my final point is that um, I belong to a... Um, uh, grassroots uh, blindness organization in Canada. And I have written a paper for them, which is going public today. Um, 
around my experience with Braille. And in particular, I address, um, I use the historical experience of Braille to address contemporary political uh, issues. So if you want to uh, see that paper, you can send me an email at vangelis.nikias at gmail.com and I'll be happy to send you uh, a link. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Vangelis, and thank you for, I, I was wondering how I was pr pronouncing your name. I, I didn't do it perfectly, so apologies for that. And thank you for getting up so early in Canada and coming to our event. That's really great to hear. We appreciate your attendance. We mentioned James Bowden, who's in the room. So James, it's always great to see you, and you should be able to say hello to us, I think. Hello, Stuart. Hello, everyone. Thank you very much. Um, I, I don't know quite how I've got such a reputation here, but um, I just wanted to come back on Laurent's rumour about the developing Braille standard. It certainly is developing. It's a project um, jointly coordinated by the American Printing House and the DAISY Consortium. Um, there is a website. Uh, if, you, if you're interested in web links, it's daisy.org forward slash activities forward slash projects forward slash ebraille um perhaps the easiest way is just to go to the daisy website daisy.org search for projects and then search for ebraille there's loads and loads of other stuff there as well which might be of interest um the the four main things which are advantages of the new format or the new proposed format it's still in development um matt think of the acronym grin so first of all is graphics it is not currently possible to have graphics as well as text in a brf file it will be possible in the new file format um, and there are devices being developed which um, i understand can actually display both tactile graphics and braille text on the same kind of display area which is wonderful um, R is for reflowing. So if you have a BRF file, currently it is normally set for a particular line length. And there are some Braille displays, which I shall not name, which reflow the text. And there are other Braille displays, which I will not name, which do not reflow the text. And if your Braille display is of a different length than what the BRF file is set at, then you get what I call long line, short line syndrome. So you get a line of text and a single word on the new line, which is very awkward to read, et cetera, et cetera. I is for internationalization, which means currently the way BRF files work is there's a thing called an encoding um, which in the English-speaking world, at least, is the USA computer code. Um, but if you're from a different country, like, say, Germany or France, then you will not be using that code. And all the computer characters used for the Braille dots are different. So the, the letters of the alphabet are the same, but um, to get dots 1.6 or to get dots 2.5.6, you use a different character in the actual Braille file. It's a bit complicated, but it means the file's technically unreadable, um, which is not good. And N is navigation, which is the one we've talked of. Um, one of the big things about a BRF file is you cannot easily 
jump to the next heading, jump to the table, et cetera, et cetera. All the things we've kind of got used to nowadays with screen readers, with the quick navigation keys, H for heading, T for table, et cetera, et cetera, and Word documents, PDF files, web pages, et cetera. Um, it is proposed that that will happen in Braille files as well. The other point I was going to make, which is wonderful to have all these things like BRF files automatically generated and so on. One of the big potential barriers, which is still not totally overcome, is getting the original source text, that is the print file, in an adequately marked up way. Now, this particularly affects mixed mode um, text so we talked about foreign languages for example that definitely does matter that if you do not mark your text as french greek or whatever just write the characters you will get the wrong braille because it'll still use the english translation rules because the computer doesn't know it's french so it's got to be marked up properly another one of course is maths math content i'm sure several of us have seen um for example, PDF files where all you get is the odd character and all the bits that join up lines and have superscripts and so on have completely gone. So you all you get is XX2. And you think, well, what does that mean? Um, so yes, adequately marking up the print original is a huge area of development at the moment. Thanks, James. That's really great to get the update. Uh, Laurent, are you are you okay if I take some more contributions? Yes, absolutely, Stuart. Please do. So um, we have Mairead and then we have Sarah. So Mairead, you should be able to unmute yourself and say hello to us. Thanks. It's a great um, it's a great presentation. Um, again, I just suppose I just wanted to echo the points of um, education. I suppose like when I was in college as well. Um, like my school experience was very different because I was actually getting my school books when I was um, in Braille when my leaving cert was actually completed. <laughs> um, so like some of them I had and some I didn't. So I think for me, it's just while I love Braille um, and I love to use it as much as possible, wherever possible, it can be very hard to get the material when you need it. Um, now, I was lucky like when I was in college because I had a PA who um, the main part of her job was transcribing my lecture notes into Braille using the um, Braille embosser, which was very useful because um, only for that reading, because I just kind of find it much easier to learn physically reading something rather than through audio. And I suppose, again, my other point, I suppose, is like even books. I love to read, but unfortunately, at the moment, I'm stuck using Audible a lot of the time. And now it's a great service. Don't get me wrong, but I'd love to physically read. But a lot of very new books that are out and up to date are very hard to get. You, you can't get them in Braille. Like the only way maybe you can get them in Braille is if you're lucky enough to have a Braille display like that supports ebooks or Bookshare or something like that. Now I have only recently just got one there in employment. So, um, you know, I'm just get, um, using that now at the moment, which is great. But like if you're not in a position, if you're not in education or employment or whatever, trying to get access to material in Braille can be very difficult. And okay, yes, you could get them through a Braille display, such as a Braille sensor, whatever. Um, but like it's the affordability of that. There's not really much assistance grant-wise out there, whatever, to get them off your own personal, you know, to get them yourself, like if we need it. Yeah, absolutely. 
yeah and um yeah i think that that braille displays electronic braille displays you know they're they're you know every every couple of years there's there's something new and interesting that comes out in terms of how affordable they become um and um i think in the past uh what would it be four years you know with the the development in in braille display technology we've we've seen the prices being being driven down a little bit which i think is massively encouraging in terms of the availability of electronic braille yeah i know it's just to try and you know i suppose give everybody equal access to it i suppose sometimes it's it's just hard to get the access to the braille material yeah i think there are ongoing developments in the uh braille tech i suppose and how braille displays are constructed and cells that are being used and yeah, like it's it's slower than we'd all like, I think, but it is it is gradually moving in the right direction, I suppose. Uh, so thanks, Mairead, for your contribution. We appreciate that. And thanks for coming along today. Sarah has her hand raised. So Sarah Matthews, you should be able to unmute yourself and say hello to us. It was just a reflection, really. Um, it's great to, to hear everybody's experiences and be here today. Um, I only lost my sight just under 10 years ago and um, I started learning braille about a year after that and I'm now I've just finished my first year of teaching braille at my local adult education centre and I just wanted to, to sort of reflect on the fact that braille has really been instrumental in helping me to adjust to becoming blind in my 30s and um, it's a very uh, sudden thing and um, it's very difficult to begin with um, but now being in a position where I can see others is, is, is just wonderful and um, I'm really looking forward to the, the coming year and getting more people into our class and trying to, to sort of spread the word and um, the difficulty that, that we're finding with our class is um, people coming to the class just incredibly worried that they're not going to be able to learn Braille and that Braille is going to be incredibly difficult for them and just seeing people's reactions and um, spending a few months sort of starting on the code and then coming to class and saying that, that it's been a revelation and it's really been a game changer in their life is, is, is just wonderful. So it's just really wanted to, to mention that really and just, just say... Um, what you know what wonderful thing thing braille is and um trying to get it out to as many people as possible now in my local community um we, we have had to rebrand a little bit i have to say in my braille class because people are a bit worried about the difficulty of it so we've sort of had to say that you're you're coming to a, a braille class to, to talk about your braille uh, so, so, so your your sight loss journey and learn a bit of braille and have a cup of tea and a chat and sort of try to make it as relaxed and um, welcoming as possible really that sounds nice because you have braille learning and there's there's a social end to it as well yeah that sounds like amazing work that that you guys are doing so yeah thanks for sharing that, that that's inspiring stuff thank you sarah we appreciate that a message came in on chat that I just didn't spot until now. So apologies to Robin Williams, who just says, um, good morning. Unfortunately, I'm not able to speak due to my location. I'm a statistician. Braille is a huge help to me when coding and reading mathematical content. I firmly believe I would have struggled at university when completing my PhD uh, without Braille. So you know, very powerful comment as well, I think, there from the chat. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, Laurent, when you when you think about it, the people who 
everyone who talks about Braille speaks so passionately and everybody in particular, people who've gone through the education system always have a, a couple of score of stories, kind of scary stories. And, you know, I remember when I went to college, there was a Braille embosser, but no one knew how to use it. And we had to try and kind of figure out how to use this thing and, and, and realize that actually this was, was going to be a really useful piece of equipment. Yeah. Um, I think um, my experience was that uh, at university, I made sure that I very quickly learned the technology that I needed to make sure that if anything went wrong, I could fix it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Become your local techie. Become your university techie as well. Um, Somebody raised their hand. Uh, Margaret, Margaret Kinsler. Um, you should be able to speak to us, I think. Yes. Hi. Good morning, Stuart and Laura. And uh, just just to say um, an appreciative um, thank you. I, I am enjoying the higher education aspect, and um, I work for the Technological University here in Dublin. And um, you know, we we actually have a universal design module in the spring, and um, I would love some input for um, all students to become a little bit more aware of six dots and six dots success. Um, so thanks for this morning and talk again. Uh, thank you for coming along, Margaret. And if you need any help with what you're doing, get in touch with us. Great. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Okay. Thanks everyone for coming. And Lorraine, obviously, thank you so much for hosting us. Yes. And uh, thanks to you, Stuart. And thanks everybody for some really, really great conversations. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Brailcast Extra. You can find more Braille-related content by subscribing to Brailcast, all one word, in your podcast client of choice, or listening to Brailcast, connecting the dots for Brailleists everywhere on your smart speaker. For the latest information about future Brailleist events and how to join live, subscribe to our weekly email newsletter at brailleists.org slash newsletter slash sign up. You can also visit our events page at braylists.org slash events. If you have comments on this recording or suggestions of topics or guests for future events, we'd love to hear from you. Please email help at braylists.org. You can also find the Braylists on Twitter at Braylists or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Foundation. Finally, if you like what you've heard, spread the word. We welcome new listeners and live participants alike, so if you know other people who are interested in Braille, please tell them where to find us. In the meantime, on behalf of everyone at the Braillists, thanks for listening and bye for now. Six Dots to Success is presented in collaboration with Sight and Sound Technology Limited on the web at sightandsound.co.uk or sightandsoundtechnology.ie. Additional costs are defrayed by an Activate Fund of the Churchill Fellowship on the web at churchillfellowship.org.